Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Blessed Child Podcast. This is your host, Renee. Today, I am joined by a good friend and special guest, Yose. Hello. Hey, Yose. Welcome to the Blessed Child Podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here. And uh, I wanted to introduce you to the audience. I know you quite well, but let me give you a chance to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Yose. I'm also ex-second gen. And I briefly had a platform on Instagram where I was angrily talking about the church and sharing their secrets. Then I shut up for a little while and listening to the last episode, I realized I've got a little bit of info that I can share about this. Awesome. Okay. And first of all, I really love the stuff that you've posted before. I think your archives of like the YouTube videos, the YouTube videos, you had such, you, you had such an extensive research library on a lot of the cult stuff that I thought was yeah. super Actually, cool. if anyone's interested on my Instagram homepage, there's a link to, it's basically just a playlist of like Mooney related videos. Some are like exposés, some are actually from the church itself. One of these days I'll probably get around to actually archiving it properly and like uploading it to a channel because a few things have been deleted over the years, but it's just a quick, easy resource to like look at anything Mooney related on YouTube. Yeah. I love that. When you sent that to me, I think that younger self our the version of ourselves that put all that energy into doing that kind of stuff. I just want to pay our, like a respect to those people that we were that created <laughs> such a wave. Uh, I feel the same. Um, with like, oh yeah, I was so angry, but like we needed that energy to make that re those resources that are still giving today. Like I still have people on TikTok liking and saving all the all the videos that I made about the Moonies, which is so crazy. Nice. Um, even though we're not those people anymore, it's like I thank those people. Thank you for doing all the work that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I always want to do more, but like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I have something to say and other times I feel like I don't. But in this case, it just felt like I've got a little bit of info that I can share. Right. Okay. So let's talk about what inspired you to get in touch with me for this interview. The last episode I put out was a, was a Q and a answering questions that I had gotten difficult questions that I've gotten about how do you leave the cult? How do you leave a blessing? How do you, how do you handle that? And so you kind of responded back with some information and it prompted a conversation between the two of us for the last two weeks. And we've kind of compiled some resources that we'd like to share to, to build on those questions. Cause they're very good questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I was doing some research and I reached out to a few other XBCs who are very vocal. One was Faith Yen, the other is Teddy Hose. And Teddy shared, not directly from, but Jen Kiaba posts about his website in particular. Actually, Jen and Faith both share a lot about this organization called Unchained at Last. They're a U.S.-based organ organization that are dedicated to ending child marriage, child marriage and forced marriage. In the United States. In the United States specifically, yes. Yes, yes. And that was, in my research, it was... Uh, was kind of difficult trying to find something international. Like I found a lot of US resources, but nothing specifically for a like a a unified international group. Forgive me for using that word, but yeah. So if anybody knows of any like either country specific or international groups that support what we're about to talk about, please let us know. 
Yes, because most of the resources that we did, actually all the resources that we found are US-based, but they're very good resources and it gets the point across in a very fundamental way. Um, and first of all, Teddy Hose, Jen Kiaba, and Faith Yen are all pillars in... Is that an earthquake? Well, the whole the whole room shook. <laughs> that was oh, crazy. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's because I said their names, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like their presence just oh shook the ground. This room just shook. This is a cave room. Like all the walls are concrete and this room just <laughs> shook. That was crazy. I hope I got that on audio. Anyways, I'm not going to say their names again because I'm not invoking that energy anymore. <laughs> But yeah, they move mountains. Yeah. So shout out to them. I'll put their info in the show notes. And so what we wanted to talk about, basically lay down some resources for how to leave. How to leave a cult is very similar to, wow, okay, well, how to leave an abusive relationship is is hand in hand with how to leave a cult. So this one resource, thehotline.org is a really good place to start if you don't even understand what abuse is and what it looks like. And yeah, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, absolutely. So this resource came from Faith. She had some experience. I don't want to tell her story too much because that's, you know, that's her place. But she had some experience with leaving and having to go to a women's shelter and had shared this resource with me. One thing that she did note is that these these resources are available as general guides. The actual organizations themselves can be a little bit tricky to work with, but they have a lot of good information. In particular, there's a whole guideline on preparing to leave, what to do ahead of time if you're feeling like you need to. A couple of things that really stood out were making a safety plan and what to do in the case of being found out, uh, how to have a safe place to go, people that you can get in touch with ahead of time that can help keep you safe or help keep your children safe, ways to put money away separately, just things you can do to protect yourself while you're planning to leave and in the process of leaving. So this is the the hotline.org that we're talking about. And one question people might be asking themselves is, why is it so difficult to leave? Why should I even be scared? Why should I be afraid to make a change in my life? Or why do you feel afraid to make a change in your life? Are you in, like, these are some questions like that I had trouble asking myself when I was leaving. Like, I didn't even understand that I was in an unsafe situation or that I was in an abusive environment. I didn't understand. It was hard to discern these concepts. It was hard to understand these concepts. So I kind of want to go over a tab that I saw in the hotline.org to talk about how to identify abusive relationships and why you might stay. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in the story that I'll be telling very briefly, I'll be going over some of these points some of these things are things that I experienced in the group as well as in my marriage at the time. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a little. No, that's okay. A little thrown off. Yeah, um, I'm getting thrown off by this fucking earthquake that's happening. I think they're tearing up the roads, so it's like shaking the, that, the building. Yeah, that could do be you, it. Do you hear it? 
No, it's silent. Okay, so. well, my whole earth is shaking right now. <laughs> They're just ripping up the road. So, But yeah. while getting back to the topic, basically identifying abuse in the cult was probably the hardest thing to do. It's like, it's like you're, it's like you're, the floor is lava, but you don't even know it. Or like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, that was one thing that I struggled with a lot. I'm sure we all are, can relate really strongly to this is that, you know, the group itself is a, a comfort. It's our normal, but it's also very painful to us. And the, the information that we're provided with while we're in it is, well, you either just have to try harder or you have to read more Hundoke or you have to pray more about it, have a stronger faith, talk, sometimes talk about what you're struggling with. Depends on who your pastor, who your support group or who your parents are. Some people will offer support and some will just say, you know, shut up and pray harder. But it's supposed to be a good thing. It's presented as a good thing and it's community. But one thing that I felt a lot of was just this, this deep feeling that something is wrong. And it took a very long time to really figure out what it was. And even after I left, it took a lot of processing to fully accept and understand what it actually is. Because, you know, when we, when we first leave, a lot of our feelings are, you know, fuck the church, everything's bullshit. Look at all these horrible things that the, that the church is doing. And those are all valid things, but you know, the, the deeper thing is the emotional manipulation that's much more subtle, the encouragement to lie and to hide yourself from the outside world, to isolate yourself, to put up with being mistreated or not being believed when you tell someone that you're being mistreated, you know, that you're over-exaggerating or whatever it is. And especially like coming full circle, feeling pressured to go into the blessing, going into a marriage when you're way too young and nowhere near prepared. And you feel like it is a life and death situation. Like you have no choice, but to go this route. Like this is what you were raised for. This is what you were born to be, to participate in this marriage. Cause that's the ultimate end goal. And that's compounded by years of oppressing your sexuality, pushing it all down, stuffing it down, not being able to express it in a healthy way, not being able to have any kind of relationship with other people other than just very base level friendships. And then suddenly we're so hungry for that kind of connection and meaning and affection from another person like any normal human would be. So our only option is get married uh, and you're thrust into that situation with no preparation at all. Now you're expected to try to navigate all these feelings that you're not really ready for when really you should have been preparing for them bit by bit all along. I also want to preface that with, I did not go to the blessing. I was not married in the church, but the relationship I'm going to be talking about in a little bit had a lot of parallels yeah uh that stirs up a lot of like 
energy in my chest. I'm feeling like you're hitting the nail on the head for, for advocating for the younger version of, of myself and many others. Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of reflect back what you just said, I, I feel like in my head, I'm, I'm getting these words of like, you're describing this cyclic experience of deficiency in the church. So mm-hmm. basically when we were younger, we had these basic like physiological needs and the need for safety and belonging. And those are the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy. And we kind of stayed there. So we were kind of like looking for basic need belonging food water shelter relationships and we were guided to get those needs through guilt and shame pretty much only like Mm -hmm. you have to be a blessed second gen you have to relate to your brothers and sisters quote unquote in these specific ways these horizontal these vertical relationships and this four position foundation and all these specific ways of getting our needs met were guided through guilt and shame Mm -hmm. And, and then it was so com- it was like compounded pressure to perform in a certain way that it was agonizing but then there would be there would be a reward that that cult deemed okay and so we would feel relief and then you just go back into that cycle of guilt shame reward relief guilt shame reward relief and you don't actually ever expand on your basic needs you're kind of just hanging out at the bottom and like you can't even critically think because you're stuck in this cycle, this, this cycle of abuse. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I heard from what you were just saying, I just wanted to say it that way. Cause it, that's just, it, that's how it felt. Yeah. Something common that I heard a lot repeated from other people on your podcast or on the falling out podcast, or just whoever has talked about being in the blessing. I don't personally share this feeling, but I've, I very much relate to it, that we're all brothers and sisters growing up. And so we're all one family. And then suddenly you have to marry your brother or sister and you don't know how to deal with any of that. You don't know how to shift that feeling. And I think the biggest frustration is struggling through the feelings of why why doesn't this feel okay? I've been told all my life that this is supposed to be what I want and it's not, and not knowing what to do with those feelings. So uh, one of the other websites that we were given was called uh, findhelp.org. In particular, this is more of general resources. If you go to this website and you type in your zip code, again, this is for US residents it will give you a whole list of resources for a number of different things in the area. So it's not just for getting help with an abusive relationship, but this is like food, housing, education, legal advice, anything that you might need help for, especially like mental health resources are listed. And this is specifically for what's near you. Yes, the findhelp.org, I thought it was so awesome. They, they help you with everything from baby formula to locating shelter to even paying utilities, how to pay for a phone bill. It's, it's awesome. It was a really great resource. And thank you for finding that and sharing that. I think that's, but it, but again, it is U- U.S. based. Yeah, absolutely. And then Unchained at Last is also a really good resource. I, I do really wish that this was 
more international. I did try to reach out to them. I didn't get a response back yet, but hopefully I might get one later and we can kind of paste it in if, if they get back to us. But they have guidelines on people who have been forced into either child marriages or arranged marriages. So, you know, if you're looking for something specifically for like, how do I get out of my blessing? How do I break my blessing? They very well could help with that or the very least give you some resources. Yes. There's somebody, even if you got married when you were 17 and you're 34 now, they have a number you can reach out to just even talk about it because that's one of, one of the biggest steps is just finding support to help you untangle what's been going on because abuse isn't obvious. It's covert and it's very hard to untangle and identify And it's hard to get the self-esteem you need to stand up for yourself when you've been conditioned your whole life to be submissive or subjected, subjectified. What was that word that we were object subject relationship? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the terminology. What was that? What were we perfect object? Oh, the perfect object. That's right. Wives should be the perfect Uh, object. uh, Like literal uh, phrase that I heard growing up. Uh, yeah no it's good like I think yeah it was something my dad always used to say as an excuse for why his way was right is that man is subject and woman is object just was so disgusting I it was one of the things that made me the most angry growing up was just how he treated my stepmother and he used the divine principle to to back it yeah yeah my, my cult brain is flipping on. I'm like, oh, you should be honored to be a perfect object. Like one person will hold mm. just you. Like that was the mind mentality. Like we're not objects, y'all. We're human beings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, one thing I do want to preface is because for lack of a better term, an accusation that is thrown at anybody who is an ex-member by the church is very much, oh, well, you're, you're twisting everything out of context. You're taking what's supposed to be a good thing and and making it making it unholy or making it you know creepy or weird when really it's a beautiful pure thing or this person this one person abused it they didn't use it right but regardless of whether there's good things in the divine principle or not people are still responsible for how they use it the church is still responsible for how they teach it and for not for not educating and supporting better and when you teach this kind of mindset that men are the direct line from God that then pass that on to their wives and then the wives onto the children. Like that is a hierarchical system of abuse of power, that patriarchal system. And it's not unique to the unification church. It is deeply embedded in a lot of Christianity, especially like fundamentalists and evangelical Christianity and other religions as well, even in Judaism and and Islam, you know, the Abrahamic faiths and and some others as well. So they're not the only ones, but they have their own specific spins on it with the subject-object relationship. Right. So in the religious realm, when you're seeking comfort in other religions, it it can be difficult because a lot of this abuse is normalized. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. Yes. So I remember in in the church, it was it was okay to be friends with other religious people, and so it's just a mirror of the same power dynamics that are also abusive. So it's very hard to recognize these power dynamics. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Briefly on that note, I feel like this is also a really good resource that is 
I guess somewhat related because we're talking about you know deconstructing religious doctrine and and programming, and I guess yeah resources on how to leave. There's a really great channel called Believe It or Not. That's B E L I E F it or not. They're on YouTube. This guy is a ex fundamentalist Christian who does these really good breakdown videos, explaining apologetics, responding to Christian doctrine and theology, and breaking it down as to why, either why it's wrong or why it's contradicting or confusing, just to give some perspective and help break that that cycle of thought. I have, I know this is off topic too, but it's kind of on topic talking about the sacred science shifting in the unification church right now, how, or the family fed, sorry, how they view ex members talking up out about the cult. It's so interesting. I actually like listen to uh, TM radio and they've been talking about the ex members, the ex members and the way they're rationalizing through their cognitive dissonance is they're like, oh, all these ex members are speaking out. And they're so hurt from father's era, which was such a harsh time period in the church (laughs) history. And now it's mother's time and we can be loving and different. And that was, you know, the ex members abuse was the sacrifice that we Mm -hmm. paid as a movement. And I'm like, you motherfuckers (laughs) dodge and duck accountability. Like it's fucking going on sale and it drives me crazy i'm like i'm not a sacrifice for father's era the the abuse didn't change let me help you recognize what it looks like so that you can start clicking when it's happening i just wanted to clock that because that is the new sacred science that is being developed about the ex-members and how we talk oh that's not unique i mean like i i remember hearing about this kind of stuff like you know you might run into ex-members who are negative or you know whatever and how to ignore that like how to how to approach detractors they've been talking about this since you know the since the 60s and 70s they they've always had some kind of defense but anyway so getting back to specifically people who are struggling with leaving the church or leaving a you know coerced marriage or the blessing i just want to emphasize we are not encouraging you to leave if that's not the right decision for you. It is a very difficult decision to make. And really, only an individual can make that decision. Well, I'm about to read from Unchained at Last's website. And if any of this feels relatable to you, I would recommend looking into it. If you are feeling like you want to leave, like something is wrong, analyze that doubt analyze those feelings and and figure out, is this really right for me? Um, because if it is, these are excellent resources for you. If it's not, if it's, if it's going to be a better situation to stay, that is really up to you. We are people who left and found a better life. And there are still people in the church who say that they're, they're doing fine and it was the best thing for them. And I have no way to deny that. And I don't really want to. You know, I've had some friends who went off and they got blessed and, you know, they have children and they say they're doing really well. And it was initially very painful to, to hear that. I'm sure in the same way that to them, it's painful to watch us leave. But, you know, ultimately, I don't know who has the right answer. All I can say is that these are the experiences. These are our stories of abuse and of pain and why 
it was a good idea for us to leave. So if that resonates with you, please do. Oh, can I say one thing? Yes, yes, absolutely, please. It's notorious. It's known. This is factual, backed up by statistics. Even in nursing, we're encouraged to warn people and prepare people for the right support if they are going to leave an abusive situation. If it is truly an abusive situation, leaving is the most dangerous time. It will invoke anger. It will invoke uh, fear and shame. It'll invoke more abuse. It is the most dangerous time. So you have to really be careful. And we want you to go through these resources on the hotline.org. It can help you formulate a plan for that most dangerous time because it's not easy. Actually leaving is, is one of the hardest things I've ever done, leaving the cult, Mm -hmm. leaving that environment. And I will say it was painful. It was very painful. It was uncomfortable. It was out of my comfort zone. It was you know, we financially had to break away. We had to incur debts. We had to, I've lived in a garage for a couple months. It's hard to uproot your entire support system to find a new one. It's not easy. And we're not saying it is. Yeah. Ultimately, I feel at least for me, and it seems reinforced by the other people who have shared their stories that we feel like we made the right decision. Sometimes we have our doubts, but life is ultimately a lot easier for having gotten out. One of the things that reinforces that for me, especially when I get confused or start to struggle with feelings of of guilt or shame, is recognizing that, or I guess I should say, studying is one of the biggest things that's helped me, is researching cults and researching high control groups and other religions and seeing that all of these groups promise the same thing over and over and over again and not delivering. And the fact that they all say that they're the way, but they're all fighting with each other about whose way is right, but they're so sure that their way is the right way is a huge red flag for me. That especially when I get confused, if I ever start feeling like, oh, you know, did I make the right decision? Should maybe it was might have been easier to stay. But looking into these other groups who have made these promises and failed on them time and time again and are constantly making excuses for just like we what we were talking about, how they're they're ducking responsibility and they're never learning and they're never changing and they're always steadfast and that they're the one true way that brings a lot of comfort to me like you know what good life is messy it's okay that it's messy that's that's normal it's okay that life is painful sometimes it's not supposed to be perfect and that that's just a part of normal life i like that so from unchained at last website they discuss forced arranged and child marriages. So they say, what is a forced marriage? In a forced marriage, one or both parties do not give full free consent. They might be pressured or coerced to marry or stay in a marriage through violence, threats, grooming, fraud, or other methods. Unchained has found that parents typically play an important role in facilitating a forced marriage, which makes escape even more difficult and adds a deep sense of betrayal to an already traumatic situation. Forced marriage is recognized globally as a form of modern slavery and as a harmful practice that disempowers women and girls in particular and hinders gender equality. Forced marriage also happens to individuals of other genders. Unchained has even seen parents that use forced marriage as a form of conversion therapy. 
a forced marriage can happen at any age. So you don't have to have been a teenager when you got married to reach out to this group for resources. You could you can be an adult coerced and forced into the blessing. It doesn't disqualify you from seeking help. I also want to say, because I, we were stuck in this cyclic experience of abuse at the mm -hmm. bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, mm -hmm. it's actually been like said, being stuck in deficiency constantly stuns your emotional growth. So you Absolutely. can be 21 with the emotional intelligence of a six-year-old because Absolutely. you've constantly been stuck in a cyclic abuse cycle of surviving. And so you can't actually like even get some time to be in your prefrontal cortex, develop your esteem, your critical thinking, who you are as a person and reach self-actualization. So if you're getting married before any of this is happening, you could be 50 years old and still have the emotional IQ of, of a 15 year old. It, it, it varies. So thank you for saying that anybody can use this resource. It doesn't matter if you were forced into marriage as a child, if you've been stuck in a cycle of abuse your whole life, this resource is valid. Absolutely. So if any of that seem like red flags to you, and if you're asking yourself, should I leave this marriage? Should I leave this blessing? And any of that sounds relevant, I would definitely look into it. So on that note, yeah. I guess I'll share a little bit of my story. So when I first left, I think I started really seriously thinking about leaving when I was about 16. At that time, you know, you're a, a kind of a dumb teenager and you're so wrapped up in your emotions and your wants and needs rather than what is realistically good for you. And I went seeking a relationship very desperately. I was just feeling very lonely. I, I was dealing with conversion therapy at the time. I wasn't actually in the therapy process, but I was being forced to read Coming Out Straight by, oh God, what's his name? <laughs> Richard Cohen. Richard Cohen. Yes. I was forced to watch his videos that caused a lot of very, very strong feelings of shame and conflict and having a hard time dealing with my sexuality. And eventually part of that, that compounded to feeling like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm getting out. I can't deal with this. I actually briefly started the process of matching like my parents started to talk to other parents. I was going to get on the matching website. I thought maybe I should just go through with this because maybe that'll fix me. Maybe I'll just do this and, and it'll all work out. Can I just say something about you saying you were a dumb teenager? I think, I think you were in survival mode and you did what you had to do to survive. Like we were stripped of our autonomy and we're so conditioned to this cycle of just the like the basic needs. So we're under the care of our parents and then we don't ever reach independence. And the only answer to continue that cycle of deficiency is to pair you off young with somebody else who isn't, hasn't reached self-actualization, doesn't know themselves, is super codependent and, and pair you up and keep you in this cycle of guilt, shame, uh, reward, relief, guilt, shame, reward, relief. So I don't think you were a dumb teenager who was only caring about your wants and needs. I think you were doing exactly what you needed to do to survive. Because that's, that's the fair. support. Yeah, that's the support you had. Like I I respect that, Yose. 
I appreciate that. I'm not saying that teenagers are dumb in particular. <laughs> I'm just like, as an adult who's, you know, in my mid thirties now, I, I, I recognize from a different perspective, what was really important and what wasn't. And I can still honor the emotions and feelings that I had at the time as being valid. But from a, a different perspective, I realized that I was a bit of a brat and I was very hungry for affection kind of led me in very stupid directions but you're that, not that's you're... well that that's part of the that's part of the conditioning though it's you know absolutely. you're you're deprived of these connections all your life and all you see around you are these people who are able to express that and it makes for a very painful experience yes. yeah talking about true love and seeing there's only one path and being so right. deprived of actual love and affection from all sources, parents, siblings, even even calling people brother and sister puts them in a box. It just really isolates you psychologically. So I feel you there. I, I relate. Yeah, absolutely. So when I left, basically, like I met this boy online. We, we started dating and I kept it very secret. And I was still playing in the church band. It was kind of one foot in, one foot out. My parents found out and they were very upset and it caused a lot of conflict. And then I was still going to church. <laughs> I, I still was not really sure that I wanted to leave, but I knew what I wanted, or at least I thought I knew what I wanted and I was kind of moving towards it. But it took being told, oh, we found out that you're in this relationship and you cannot represent us in the band for church on Sunday anymore. Like that's not appropriate that you're living a life of sin when you can't do that. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm done. Fine. I'm good. And I left and I had this situation with my parents where initially they kicked me out maybe about, I don't know, like a week or two later, they decided, you know what, you can come home and live with us and we'll figure it out. Eventually it just became like one step after another like, okay, you can come home and everything's going to be okay. And you can still see this guy. And then it was, okay, well, you can't go, you can't spend the night at, at his place. And then it was, if you're going to live here, you can't see him at all. It, like just bit by bit by bit, they chip away. You know, they start with something very small. It's, it's their recruiting tactic. It's the thing that they've used for years. They get their foot in the door. They just work their way at you until they break your spirit. But I put my foot down and said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I went to go live with my boyfriend and his family and they took me in. So I was very lucky in that situation because without that, I, I would have had nowhere to go or I would have been stuck at home and probably gotten deeper into conversion therapy and end up in a blessing that I hated and made my partner very miserable and myself miserable. What you just described with your family, that's like an intimidation technique used in abusive situations. So yeah, thank you for ex explaining that. Um, and why is it always the guy in the band? It's always the guy in the band that kicks out, that they kick out first. I swear to God. Well, I mean, it's not exactly a position of leadership, but you're on stage representing the group. That was kind of this position. Like, well, if you're going to be, <laughs> influencing yeah if you're gonna take yeah having a sinful life you can't you can't do this in a leadership and, position yeah and to them i'm sure it's a tactic of well 
you take away this privilege, you punish a little bit to try and reel them back in, but really it just kind of pushed me further away. And I'm grateful for that, <laughs> but it, it was just, it was a sore spot that lasted for such a long time. It was a deep wound. I felt so betrayed by someone that I had trusted and looked up to. The, the church. Um, yeah. The, the band away. leader in particular, like that. I don't know. Anyway. No, it is painful. It's a wound. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's a really interesting. I think that's important. That's valid. Yeah. Like a community that's supposed to support you, supposed to believe in true love, unconditional love, you know, saving the world through being a good example. They just like, they're like, yeah, you're not good enough to kick you out. Like, I get messy. that. Yeah. I've got that. They've got their rules. And I think ultimately it was mutually a good thing, but I mean, they're trying to support in their own way by, making you straight or you know punishing you for falling out of line to reel you back into the proper way of being and that's where that's where the abuse really builds that's um that's tied into the demand for purity like they could harm you because they believe it's for the greater good and that is a cult dynamic that that enables a lot of uh, abuse that goes kind of hidden yeah so then after I left, I didn't end up staying with this person long-term. We were together for about maybe two years and then things broke off. And from there, I was living by myself in an apartment, feeling very lost. Like I didn't really have any particular direction or community. I was partying a lot to try dating a little bit and it kept failing. And at one point I had dated this person who seemed like a good situation. And I'm like maybe 19, something like that. For whatever reason, I just felt very uncomfortable and I didn't know why and then ended up breaking it off with them, but I regretted it. I just sat there lonely every night. Like, why did I do that? Why didn't I just keep trying harder? Why did I give up so easily and beating myself up for it? So when I eventually met the person that I would go on to marry, I realized like, this is a good person. They're a good, stable, healthy person. They're probably good for me, but I'm not really that into them. Like there are some uncomfortable feelings. So I shoved all that down and said, just try, try to make it work. You give up too easily. That led to me reinforcing, not being able to say no, not knowing what I wanted or how to stand up for myself. And very early on it, it ramped up really quickly. Within the first couple of months, this person bought some very expensive gifts that made me feel really uncomfortable because I'm broke in a shitty rundown apartment. It's a nice gesture because they're trying to help me out, but I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, I feel indebted to this person now. Like, what do I do? Things are getting really serious. I'm kind of scared. And I don't know how to say no and back out. Like I used to wear rings one one night we were discussing things he's like well why do you wear these rings i'm like i just like them like well would you ever wear a ring for me I'm like no i don't that you're talking about marriage he's like well yeah i'm not ready for that i'm too young like this is like everything's moving too quickly that just kind of was put away for a while and eventually we moved in together because it was a better economic situation then we ended up having a joint bank account. Then we took a trip to Vegas where we got fake married. 
you know, went to like one of those quick places where you can get a certificate, but it wasn't legally real. The whole time it just felt like, I don't know how to say no to any of this. I genuinely care about this person. I want to try and make this work. So I guess I'm just going to do whatever I can to make it work. I was so miserable and depressed. And at the time I was talking to friends about how this seems like an abusive relationship. As an adult, looking back, I realized like we abused each other. Like it wasn't one-sided. And I want to really strongly emphasize that. Like I played a fair part in this of not being honest, not being upfront, not sharing how I really felt. I'm also recognizing where this behavior is coming from, that it was ingrained in me to not know how to stand up for, for myself or even to not stand up for myself, to push for perfection, no matter what, to keep pushing yourself harder and harder. Don't ever leave. Don't ever divorce. God put you in this situation and God's decision is right for you. So you have to find a way to make it work. This is how my parents behaved as they abused each other and hated each other. It, it's it's the same pattern over and over again. But yeah. I I want to acknowledge that does not excuse any responsibility on my part for the relationship. Wow. I I really appreciate that insight. It's it's very whole. Can I kind of reflect back what I'm what I'm seeing, a different perspective sure. as you're telling me this story? What I hear is that you were a 16-year-old kid that was essentially kicked out of your community. And then you were also intimidated out of your own house out of your own family system by the people that should have loved you and supported you no matter what they gave you ultimatum then you you found you you found a way to survive you you got into a relationship at 16 until you were 18 and then somehow you glazed over this because this is actually really awesome you were living on your own at 18 years old i think that's fucking awesome first of all and then you know, you were doing what you had to survive to to make it through and and to to build from nothing. And you had these patterns that you carried with you from the abusive situation you came from. And that makes sense. Okay. That that makes sense. You were also building a life from scratch. So I I, I look, I hear this story and I'm I'm just in awe that you are living in an apartment at 18 years old. I was living in a van in Australia at 18 years old. I still depended on the system heavily. I was still fundraising every day and you were on your own, even if it wasn't the best apartment. I think that's amazing. And and you have to feel belonging and need after being rejected from all this church environment and and carrying this guilt and shame because inevitably I'm sure you had a lot of guilt and shame from leaving and and possibly regret and wondering. So you found comfort in these relationships. You met a dude when you were 19. You were so young and you regretted breaking up with him. What I'm hearing though, is that you carried a lot of guilt from that relationship that, that you broke into this next relationship where an equally damaged person needed you just as much as you needed him. But, you know, sometimes two broken people make a pretty toxic situation. I'm getting that there was a lot of guilt compounded from all of these different instances of trauma and in your religion, in your family. And then this good thing that you, that, that got away when you were too young, just learning what love is, right. It can hurt a lot. This human experience fucking hurts. (laughs) Um, 
but what I'm getting is that you're really resilient. You're trying to find a good situation. You're creating something from scratch because leaving is never easy. And this is the painful process of finding out what your boundaries are, how to say no, how to survive in this world without support, without people you can turn to, without people you can trust. And that process is messy. And you're going to find people that do hurt you in ways because you don't know how to say no. And you don't really know yourself yet. So I think you did the best you could in a, in a terrible situation. And I'm very impressed by the young Yose that, that got out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Also, I'm sorry if there's noise in the background, there's, there's yard work going on nearby. All of that is, for the most part, correct. I left at 18. The reason I was able to end up living on my own is because I, I had a job at the time and my, my parents were asking me to contribute. And on some level, that is a little bit fair. But on another, my dad took a very early retirement because for whatever reason, he couldn't work. And I think a lot of that was excuses as well as some mental health issues. My stepmom had a very basic education, did not complete college. And so she was working as like teacher's assistants for like special needs kids, which doesn't pay much at all. And then the rest of the time was fundraising. Like she would go and sell flowers and I would often like as a teenager, sell flowers, do yard work or whatever else. And it wasn't really for my own money. Everything was for the family. But when I went to go live with this other family, they would not let me pay rent. I insisted like, look, I can't just live here for free. I need to contribute. They said, no, save your money and get an apartment. As much as we would love you to live with us, we want you to have a foundation. We want you to be able to be self-sustaining. And they taught me a little bit about taxes and a little bit about money. There's a lot more that I really wish I could have learned, but that was enough to really allow me to get a place on my own. Like I, I want to acknowledge I, I kind of blundered my way into a lucky situation because it was like 2007, 2008. 2008, the market crashed and I didn't feel it because I didn't have shit. <laughs> um, but that also meant that I could rent a small studio for fairly cheap. You know, over the years, it very quickly became that that was not an option, which is part of the reason why I ended up moving in with this person that I married. But I do, I do appreciate that that acknowledgement. I sometimes I'm a bit harsh on myself and sometimes it's for good reason. And other times I just have been conditioned to beat myself up. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I thank you for clarifying. So it was 19 that you were living on your own. Basically. Yeah. Like 19, 20 had my own apartment. Yeah. And the times were different. I was thinking about this this morning before our talk, I was like, actually part of leaving was equal parts, determination, equal parts, shame, equal parts there's no other choice and then just dumb luck yeah absolutely people, yeah some people don't get the dumb luck and i see that and they're still struggling leaving <laughs> i got the dumb luck too i got the dumb luck yeah i think that's a big part of it but the other part was recognizing how to lean on certain people and you do have to be careful not to abuse those relationships and take too much from people. Right. But that, that is one thing that the church emphasizes is that living for the sake of others mentality, where you give everything of yourself and you can't let anybody help you. 
if you have friends or resources, like people who are willing to take you in or give you guidance or whatever it is, even financial help, take it. Absolutely. Don't feel guilty about taking it if you need the help. If you feel like it's a situation where you're going to owe them and be indebted, maybe think about it a little bit, but don't feel like, oh, I can't, I can't accept anything. No, no, no. Like I, I have to give everything of myself. If somebody, and this is a good point, recognizing healthy relationship dynamics and then recognizing over, like covert abuse. If somebody gives you help, but then uses that against you to do something, you might want to consider if that's a healthy relationship or if that's an, that's also a manipulative situation. Absolutely. Um, so I, I really like that you had a, a run in with a healthy family dynamic who wanted you to want, who wanted to see you succeed. They didn't mm-hmm. want you to lean on them. It sounded that that sounded great. That's a really good stepping stone that you had. Um, yeah. I can, I can only hope other people are so lucky. Yeah. If it weren't for that, I don't know. So this relationship at, at one point, I felt like I, I can't take this anymore. And we had a lot of fights and I was deeply, deeply depressed and kind of an alcoholic at the time. And I felt like I'd had enough. It, it was just too much. And I, I had been wanting to break up multiple times. And I finally said, okay, this is it. We're, we're done. We had two cats at the time and we were living together and rent is now much more expensive. It initially started with like begging me not to leave to acceptance. And then from there, the planning. So I was planning to move in with a friend. He was planning to get an apartment and I was helping, but every place that we looked at was either not good enough or too expensive. He would make me feel guilty for forcing him to incur the cost of living alone, as well as being guilted about, you know, abandoning the cats and how could I do this? How could I be so cruel and mean? And eventually that just broke me down. I decided that I would stay. I felt so low, especially because my, my plan to move in with a friend fell through and I didn't have any backup plans. So I, I just had no self-esteem at that point and felt, I guess I better do this. And also I cared about this person a lot. I don't want to see them stranded. That's when actual marriage was proposed. I initially said no. And then it was, okay, well, let's just do this and get our life together. You know, maybe we'll part ways after that. And I sort of approached it as like, all right, I don't want to see you fail. I'm not trying to get you stranded. Fine. Let's do this. And I will figure it out later. So we ended up getting married legally and Shortly thereafter, ended up getting involved with a coworker that I really should not have. I got tied into this relationship that was one of the first times I actually felt a real deep sense of love and connection. And I was very conflicted because I didn't want to be cheating, but it felt like this is what I've been looking for for a long time. But I was so full of self-loathing and confused about what to do. Like I can't, I can't leave the person that I just married and I can't leave this person that I now have a deep emotional connection to. So I'm just going to keep it secret and figure it all out. 
And that really blew up in my face. That was a huge mistake. You know, it's a lesson I learned a very, very hard way. I look back at it as processing my teen years that I never really was able to process. All this shit that had been pent up for years, all the things that I didn't know that led me into just really bad situations. Ultimately, this person was who helped encourage me to leave the marriage and help me prepare an escape plan. I had a very imperfect plan. It was a mess. I was not ready. We were not only legally married, but had our finances tied together. And I had a savings that very quickly turned into a deep level of debt. I, you know, I had to get a restraining order and go through the divorce process. And I was luckily the divorce process was fairly simple and that I didn't have to fight, but it was a terrifying situation that I really wish I was better prepared for a lot of the stuff. I really wish I had known about like all these resources. I wish I had known about before I even agreed to get married in the first place. Okay. That makes a lot of sense why you would be feeling compelled to share after you listen to the last episode. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I, the, the full circle. I, I really liked how you said you were processing your teenage years through these experiences. It's we, we're, we're alive. We're human. We have to experience things to actually learn. And what's, what I'm hearing is that you were so conditioned, right? We were so conditioned with this ideology, ideology. I can never say that word. We were so conditioned with this, like, never say no, always give your best people please live for the sake of others you know if it's going to help somebody else in the community but it doesn't really help you it doesn't really matter if it doesn't help you or if it's not something you want to do give it your best shot but like but you were still carrying so much guilt and you were depressed in this marriage and I guess that would be like if you don't know if you're in an abusive relationship or if you're in a situation that you're not happy if you're constantly depressed that's a red flag yeah. Both of us were deeply depressed. That was part of why I felt like I couldn't leave. I don't want to leave this person that I care about and leave them stranded. And both of us at certain times had suicidal thoughts. Like when you're presented with that, like, what do you do? <laughs> Dig deeper. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't just leave and then like, well, what if they kill themselves? Like, oh, well. And that's addressed. It's that's addressed that's that emotional entitlement and that's normal it's human it's normal to care but depression isn't something bad in this case it's a sign it's a sign that something something needed to change you're both feeling that way something needed to change it's it's not always bad to be depressed it's 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 a terrible feeling it's a human emotion but it's a sign that something is wrong it's a red flag wow the and that's addressed on the the hotline org if if somebody is threatening suicide to keep you in the relationship the biggest thing to do is is reach out outside of that relationship and find support for both of you for you is the main concern is to find support and you found that in your coworker and although you regret how it went about it did create change it did bring change and you got to process a lot of that that theology that you had ingrained in you as a kid yeah the the thing that i still struggle with is what I ultimately did to these two people. The amount of pain that was caused, the amount of turmoil and the lasting trauma that this created for all three of us 
could have easily have been stopped had I been honest early on and upfront about what I want and just say, you know what? I'm not doing this. I'm going to leave. I love you. I care about you. This is not working. Honesty was the the biggest lesson learned. It, it was just like lies after lies and digging myself in deeper and deeper holes because I kept trying to hide everything and pretend like everything was okay and never really knowing how to be upfront with my feelings. That's something I can relate to frantically trying to hide your feelings and the truth is because you don't feel like your feelings are true when you're raised in a, an environment of child abuse where nobody validates your feelings because they don't matter. So it's very normal for somebody that grew up in a cult to hide their true feelings because they're scared they won't be accepted as, as true or valid because that's how we were raised. So this, this like cycle of hiding things and being kind of passive aggressive and not being able to assert your boundaries or being upfront and honest in a healthy way that would have avoided trauma. That's also a cyclic pattern. Like that falls right in line with leaving cult, child abuse, like neglect, trauma, not, not being validated young. Like I, I have many instances of, of feeling the way you felt in that relationship and I'm so glad here we are in our 30s and we can recognize what was unhealthy, where those patterns came from, and how you can avoid those situations now by being clear with your boundaries. It's not it's not as hard as we thought it was. It felt yeah. enormous, but it's really not that hard to do. Yeah. You learn a harder lesson thinking, if I just keep this to myself, it'll be okay, because you don't want to deal with the difficulty of, of conflict up front. Ultimately, it makes it 10 times worse. <laughs> so. Yeah, it does. It makes it way harder. It keeps you, it keeps your energy locked in the cycle of like hiding mm -hmm. and then putting the energy towards creating a front that's not real. So you just look, you're hard to read. People can't understand what you want. Like, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you, where do you want to eat? It doesn't matter. <laughs> like you wanted yeah. a honey chicken biscuit all morning. Why didn't you, why didn't you just make it easy so we can carry on with our chores? But I, I get that. I get that sentiment. I get that feeling. I, I, I can relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of our audience know where you're coming from. Yeah. One other thing that was brought up in the last episode was a relationship with your parents. Oh. I did end up cutting off my parents for a long time, like almost six years. And it was my partner at the time, the one I was married with, that encouraged me to do it. And ultimately it was the right decision. But kind of for the wrong reasons. I had so much depression and pain surrounding the church and had no way of knowing how to process it, especially at the time, like there were no podcasts, there weren't really any YouTube videos or like nobody was really speaking out about it. I felt very alone, but he basically took the position of like, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Like, I, I don't want to hear about your church bullshit. And I don't think you should be talking to your parents anymore. I think you just need to cut it all off and stop worrying about it or whatever it is. Basically a stuffing emotional way of dealing with it, which is very unhealthy. But it did lead me to telling my parents, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I, I can't have a relationship with you. And I wrote them a long letter explaining why. It basically said, until we can be an actual family, I can't have any kind of relationship with you because all I ever feel is this hook on a line 
you know, oh, we just want to see you. We just want to talk to you. We just want to, you know, come, come visit you or whatever it is. And then, you know, there's this really great workshop that's happening. We really love for you to come or like, there's this event happening. Like there's going to be some church members there, but it's not a church event. It's totally not. Or have you heard about what's, what's happening? We're really doing great things in the world. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to. And it just felt like they're trying to reel me back in, trying to win me back for God. And it was very painful to say like, I, I'm cutting off our relationship but I had to put my foot down and say like, you can't do this anymore or I'm going to be gone. And that time, that distance with them, they did end up writing me a letter back. But once I finally made the decision, actually after I was divorced, that was when I said, you know what? I think I, think I can probably talk to them again because they had reached out to me and I, I thought, okay, maybe it's time. I had enough time to process and think. They were very apologetic they really backed off and I had enough time to learn who I was and how to say what I needed to say without feeling threatened or backed into a corner. I could go meet with them and say, we had a good chat. We had lunch. I'm leaving now. Thank you. In the same way that years later, I, I am now comfortable enough to step foot in one of the churches because I know that I can leave they're not going to keep us there. They're, they can't really kidnap us. But that feeling is always there. If I go see my parents or if I go to this church, then there's no way out. There's no escape. They're going to get me again. I'm never going to be able to leave. That being said, there might actually be some people out there who actually have that situation. They might potentially be threatened. They They could be kidnapped by their parents. I don't know. So yeah, that was a long road and it's still kind of ongoing to this day. I love that. I love that you could share that. You have the self-esteem to know that you're safe in your body now. You that's a, that's beautiful to hear that story. And I like how you use the tool of writing a letter to to set your boundaries and mm-hmm. it's very clear if you haven't been heard as a child that you won't be heard as a, as an adult. So a letter is a very clear cut way. It's a tool where it's, it's one, one direction. You are going to read this. This is it. It's not a conversation. This is my boundaries. This is what I need. This, this is a really powerful tool. And I've used that too, which, so it's funny to see that, you know, we come from similar situations. We both wrote letters when it really, when we were down to the wire and it felt like there was no other choice, but I had to cut away and make these, boundaries clear. I did it in a letter too, always. So that that's really good advice. I think for people that are safe to do so, to write things down. And yeah, yeah. I I will say like, if you're still living at home with your parents or if you're close enough to your parents that you can't really physically get away, especially if it feels unsafe, maybe wait, (laughs) do it, do it when you're in a safer place. Yes. I think I think we can go back to the hotline.org on why why people stay. I just mm. wanted to read the 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 topics because there is a valid reason of not leaving if you're a minor and you have nowhere to go. One of the most important things is to reach out and creating a new support system and when you're a minor, sometimes the church and your parents are all you've got. Most of the time that's all you've got. So you got to stay safe. The number one reason why people stay is because there's fear, fear of consequences. 
they're afraid that if they leave, parents are going to, yeah, use uh, intimidation and abuse to hurt you. The other reason people stay is they've normalized abuse. And we've talked about that. They don't know what healthy relationships look like. They don't know what real support looks like. And so if you can't recognize that, then you don't really know you should leave. The other thing is shame. People can be shamed into staying. There's this thing called blame shifting. It's a common tactic that parents or partners may use to reinforce a sense of responsibility for their behavior. So like with your cats or your partner was like, don't leave me. What about the cats? What about me? What about my financial state? That's they're shaming you and, and blame shifting. It's it's not me. It's, it's your responsibility. Like you have to stay right. to do these things. And then intimidation, like your parents used on you. There's also low self-esteem, which kept me in the cult for a long time, kept me in certain situations. And there's lack of resources, which is very valid, but that's why we have the findhelp.org website listed, because that is a great place to start for resources. Some other issues that are very valid and are a lot of reason people stay in the Unification Church or the Family Fed is a disability physical disability, mental disability. That's, that's a, that's a big one. There's also immigration status you might stay in a relationship because of your immigration status. You're scared that if you leave, you'll be deported or you won't have a place to stay. Next is the cultural context. Like you said, Yosei said, there's, we grew up in a really fundamental religious environment where abuse was normalized. And so in cultural context, it might look like your abusive situation is normal. Or even just the the blessing in particular, like that's that's what we were raised and technically groomed for yeah. <laughs> from birth. You know that that's our ultimate goal is to stay pure, get blessed, and stay in that marriage and have the third generation and have the fourth generation and carry the blood lineage on until the world is purified. And breaking your blessing is, according to their doctrine one of the worst things that you can do in the world. Like you are lower than low. Your your spiritual level will drop to like that below Adam and Eve or wh- whatever it is, Hitler. you know, whatever the- Hitler. Hitler. Hitler, yeah, yeah, exactly. To quote it. Oh my God, yes, that's huge. So that's- That's, that's a our culture. Yes, it is. It's a tradition that is grooming people to stay in abusive situations. And it's a belief that's held very deeply by our families and the Mm -hmm. community. So it's very hard to recognize that it is not a good system. It's a toxic system. Other reasons people might say is if they have pets or children. And if you go to this hotline, they have a a planned step-by-step planning on how to gain custody, how to prove ownership of your pets. You need to start keeping documentation. There's, There's a whole plan. If you do plan on leaving, the best way to do it, there's some advice, there's some people you can talk to on the resources that are going to be listed on this podcast. Another and the last reason people stay is because they feel genuine love for their partner and not going to deny that you usually do feel love for somebody that is not good for you. That's pretty much the only way it works. There's always love, but it might not be the best love. And yeah, I think that's all I wanted to go through just to let people know that there are resources out there and that it's not easy, but how, how do you feel now that you've gone through that process that you've had those experiences? 
I still have a lot of mixed feelings from time to time. In general, I feel that I learned a lot. I really wish I hadn't learned the way that I did. There's not really much point in wallowing in regret, especially if you can't allow yourself to move forward. I did spend a lot of time just depressed and focused on how stupid I was, uh, how I could get wrapped up in a situation like this. But over time, a lot of credit also has to go to my, my current partner who is the healthiest relationship I've ever had. We are in a very solid relationship and for all intents and purposes, we are married, but not legally. But both of us have come from some rather difficult situations and relationships. And so we're very understanding. We talk everything out. We very rarely fight because neither of us wants to fight. <laughs> we're both like deeply wanting to resolve conflict quickly, but we also feel like we can be really honest with each other. And that's a huge part of it because we have this solid foundation and, and good communication, we're able to kind of reflect off of each other and work through our bullshit and allow ourselves to process things. I still need a lot more therapy. I'm always going to have issues. That's okay. Whether you're in the church or out, we all have issues. So don't feel like if you left and you've got all these issues, oh, it's because I left. Because the people who are in the church who feel like they have issues, they they might feel the same way. Like, oh, it's because I'm in or like whatever it is. That's all very normal. We all have shit to process. I do find myself wishing that I had learned these lessons a lot earlier and that they hadn't been as harsh or I had better advice on what is a red flag in a relationship how to recognize your own needs, how to be okay with voicing your concerns and what your needs actually are and not feeling selfish for doing so. And if someone makes you feel like you're selfish for doing that, that you can analyze that relationship and say, maybe this isn't the right thing for me and start building a network of friends and resources as a safety net in case you need to get out. In the same way that our parents got wrapped up in this crazy shit and probably was not anything that they were expecting it to become, it is really easy to get wrapped up in a relationship that seems okay on the surface and then quickly escalates into something that feels very dangerous or uncomfortable. And now you're trapped and not sure how to get out. So don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like it's all my fault. Uh, I should have known better. And it, it can happen to anyone, really. And there are ways to get out and people to help you. Yeah, I, lo I love that. This isn't an empty promise of it's perfect. It's perfect. Life is, life is perfect. But after you leave, like, <laughs> yeah. no more bullshit. Cut in the bull There's no more bullshit. Like, it's not easy to leave. It's not easy to stay. Life is not going to be perfect either way. But finding someone who you can be yourself and communicate honestly and in a healthy way, they, that makes all, like, if you can find somebody and it doesn't have to be romantic, but you can find somebody that you can communicate with and really be your authentic self. Like you were saying with your partner 
and not having to fight, but actually being able to be honest and open and communicate in a healthy way. I think that makes the world of the difference. Like if I had one person I could do that with while I was in the church growing up, it would have created so much more internal stability so that I could become the person I wanted to be or do the things that I wanted to do. Because really when it comes down to it, if you're in the church, if you're out of the church, real support makes such a difference, like real genuine care and support and communication. And I think that's really, that's really kind of the meat and potatoes of it, right? Just finding the people that are good for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy you found somebody that's good for you. It's awesome. And likewise for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's, ah, it's amazing. I, and you know what, really for the timeline of how things unraveled, we did it pretty quick. <laughs> like, yeah. We did it pretty quick. We're, we're still young. So young. Yeah. I guess one thing I want to emphasize is you don't have to be in a relationship either, mm -hmm. especially because both of us are in these good relationships now after being in bad ones. That doesn't mean that a good relationship is necessarily the key to solving your problems. I think good personal relationships, whether they're romantic or platonic friendships, community, all that is critical but don't feel like you have to get into a relationship. You have to find your perfect one in order to be whole because that's also part of our doctrine too. It's okay to be single. It's okay to not have romantic feelings. It's okay to not have sexual feelings. All of these are valid ways of self-expression and it really it's about an internal discovery of who you are, who you want to be, and being okay with yourself. Even if you're not ultimately okay with yourself, it, there's not a person out there that's going to fix you. And I, I emphasize that because I don't want people to think that they have to jump from one relationship to another in order to be safe. You can be safe on your own. And if you're on your own, you shouldn't feel bad about being on your own. It's a perfectly valid way to be if, you, if that's the way you're comfortable. Thank you for bringing that up because yeah, it could, if you didn't mention that, it could just sound like we're like, yeah, go to the blessing. This is how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Or everything will be fine. Once you like you leave your blessing and you yeah. get into a good relationship. No, it's, and it's not how it works either. You yeah. have to put a lot of work into, yeah. Sitting with yourself, sitting with what you need, supporting yourself. You know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things. We're not claiming that we're experts or that we're professionals, but this is advice from people who left and that is rare. And I think our voices are important, especially, especially now, since there's a lot of cult awareness, cult trauma awareness, religious trauma awareness, and a lot of it's being romanticized. And this is just a really good insight on like how it really feels to leave what it's really right. like. Oh, but, but I would like to put a, uh, a pin in the talking about how, you know, you handled your parent relationships. Cause I feel like that could be a whole different conversation, your family, sure. your parents. I feel like today, this was a really good expansion on how to leave what domestic abuse looks like, what abusive situations look like, what red flags look like and what green flags look like and what mm. healthy systems look like. I think we covered a lot of it. We could go on and on, but this is like a really I appreciate you sharing your story because it can say a million things to hundreds of different people. 
Thank you. And yeah, I hope it, I, I know that somebody out there heard what they needed to hear. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I did. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up. It's been a long episode. Is there anything you want to say to the blessed child podcast crew? <laughs> no, I've said plenty. I talk too much. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, if, if anybody has any questions, please message me. If you want to be on the show, you can message me. If, like I said, we, we supplied a lot of us based websites and this is a global podcast. We have a lot of listeners in Korea and Japan and Germany and London and a bunch of other countries. So if there's good resources out there that people would like to share with their local community, I will, if you send me a link, I'll put it in the show notes, completely anonymous. It'll just be a going list. So I think that would be goals. And yeah, yeah. So cool to actually have you here on this episode. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. Oh, very cool. I love how far we've come from like shouting and screaming, like there's a cult, there's a cult running the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> like four years ago or three years ago to like, everybody's like, yeah, it's a cult. It's on Netflix. Check it out. It's like, oh my God. It's it, it, sometimes it is a little bit surreal. Yeah, it's it's that that's actually one of the biggest validating things that when you're in it, especially when you're young, like nobody knew about Korea. You couldn't talk to anybody about it. And then in my 20s, like if I mentioned it to someone, like they're like who who the fuck is that? What group what are you talking about? But if I mentioned to somebody who's like of the boomer generation, like, oh my God, are you okay? Because <laughs> they knew like the big scare thing in the 70s and 80s, right? uh, like the big scary moonies. Hide your kids. Yeah, but now it's seeping into the mainstream. Like, hey, did you know there's this group that basically supplies the world sushi and owns the Washington Times? And it's kind of becoming like Mormonism or Scientology. It's becoming yeah. much more well-known. And that is very validating and makes me feel kind of sane. Yeah, I feel very calm. Like I was very frantic when COVID first hit because I was like, holy shit, Sean Moon is like leading the insurrection at the Capitol and the Moonies supply weapons of mass destruction to multiple countries, including like leaking missile blueprints to North, North Korea through <laughs> like there's so many influences that the Moonies have had. And I felt like so much frantic energy to like get it out, shout even if it didn't make sense, but now that the world is like, okay, we get it. We get it. It's real. You don't have to, to sh you can whisper and we'll yeah. hear you. You know, it's, it's awesome. Like I feel yeah. so relaxed having this conversation, knowing that we don't have to scream it out. There's the dynamics in place that validate our voices. And even in the medical field, it's, it's becoming apparent. Even in the medical field, I do my yearly skills checkoffs, my work, my workshops. And more and more, two years ago, somebody came visiting about human trafficking and specifically honed in on religion, human trafficking. Mm. Then this year, we were going into forensic nursing, how to recognize forensics patients and specifically listed was religious and cult patients for forensics nursing. So people are becoming more in aware trauma-informed care is, is developing rapidly about. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And I know that a lot of people who have been shouting during the COVID time and, and, and putting out, putting energy into creating resources, it's making a big difference. Mm -hmm. So I'm 
so happy that you are part of that. Your YouTube archive, your YouTube library lives on in the <laughs> lives of millions. My TikTok channel. And then you've mentioned Teddy Hose, who is on Netflix and Faith, Faith, who has a huge TikTok following and Jen Kiaba, whose information just is so solid. You know, everybody that's putting out information is, is doing the good job. It's doing a good job. It's making a change in a lot of people's lives. I just wanted to say that, that last Absolutely. bit, get off my soapbox. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for having me on. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And I hope I said your name right every time. Cause I always revert back to you say, but it's Yose. It's Yose. Yeah. Yose. It, it doesn't really matter that much, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yose, I will hopefully have you back if, if you feel so obliged that you're sure. always welcome back on this show. And yeah, I, if anybody has anything they want to say, you can message me at Bless child podcast on Instagram and we will catch you guys later. Take care of your mental health and we'll talk again soon.